Ingram Smith, Bud Elliott, back again to do another episode of the Nullcast. Bud, uh, got a mainly recruiting-focused uh, episode tonight for the listeners. As always, want to thank Louisiana Hot Sauce. Three simple ingredients, one fantastic product. Sponsor with us since uh, day one. And uh, as always, we will appreciate the good people in New Iberia, Louisiana. Uh, note what they bring to the show and uh, jump into tonight's content. Absolutely, man. Looking forward to get into this. We have a decent bit of new business to discuss. We'll talk about FSU's recruiting weekend. Got some good feedback on that. But I think first we should start with a couple things that, that broke uh, just before we completed our final two episodes of the listener Q&A. Very much appreciate all the, the Q&A, uh, that, that, or all the Q we provided the A, but all, all, all the questions provided by the listeners in those two episodes and a really good response to those. If you haven't checked that out yet, just go to whatever feed you get our, our show on, Google, iTunes, Spotify, uh, what have you, and you can check out part one and part two. I think a lot of that is still very relevant, by the way. We try to try to take those questions that are a little bit more uh, evergreen as opposed to stuff that could change within an hour or two. Uh, but a couple of things we've learned here in recent days, I just want to know if you've got any comments on these. Uh, keeping Ron Dugans on staff, that was announced officially, I think, what well, they announced that Friday. Uh, and then we learned that uh, Randy Clements is officially now on the Ole Miss staff, which makes sense because they hired Jeff Levy to be their offensive coordinator at Ole Miss and uh, Clements, guy who has worked in the Bryles offense, which is what Levy runs uh, for basically his entire college coaching career. So um, any, any thoughts on, on those two dudes, uh, one staying and one going? Dugans was <clears throat> expected uh, both in the sense that he's been out on the recruiting trail and also a very capable position coach, period, full stop. It's also another place that you might not have to pay a buyout for, where if you've got a capable coach on staff, that seems to be a, a good fit. Uh, Clements, the moment that uh, that we'll move to a, a topic of conversation here in a second uh, with the reaction to the pressers uh, from your coordinators today. But the moment that I think you knew you were going into another place and when it came to offense coordinator, you had a pretty good idea that that meant you were probably going in another direction when it came to the O-line. So uh, Clements is officially up there in land shark country and uh, wish him the best of luck. Horrible situation that he inherited here. I do think that he put a hell of an effort into trying to improve uh, one of the worst units that college football has seen over the last 10 or 15 years. And uh, for a good long time there, had them playing at a level that was probably even higher than you or I could have reasonably expected. Yeah, I mean, like, Clements may have walked in here and thought, oh, my God, these guys suck. But unlike the previous guy, he didn't let him know it, right? Th- those kids really believe th- – those kids thought that, that Randy Clements believed in them. I-, I do think it's a loss not to have him, not that he's irreplaceable, but I, I- the continuity that he had that- – the knowledge of their current abilities, but also uh, lack of abilities at certain spots, I, I think was important. And, you know, it, it just it stinks for these kids. Now they're going to have four different offensive line coaches in four different years, right? Trickett, Fry, Clements, and then whomever Florida State brings in. And, I mean, look, that that is not real good for development, guys, and that's not good for continuity. So I uh, certainly don't have a whole lot of hope for this position in 2020 now with yet another offensive line coach with Ron Dugans. I very much agree with you on, on, on him. I, I think he's a good coach. Um, some of the drop rate stuff was a little bit concerning at Miami, but I don't think that that carried over to Florida state. So it's probably more of a Miami uh, issue. And clearly, I want to say clearly in, in my, in my opinion, 
him having commitments from three receivers in this class uh, really probably helped his job security too because all those guys like him. They want to play for him. He's a good recruiter for you. He's a good coach. Your point about the buyout makes a lot of sense to me too. So I think that's a good move. Uh, th- there wasn't really anybody obvious out there who, who you were going to go get to replace Coach Dugans who would have been a clear upgrade, especially not when you factor in the current relationships with the recruits and the buyout. So uh, here's something I was thinking about over the weekend, though. If you have both coordinators in place, even if you don't have a lot of your position coaches filled out, like we have Odell in place, but we don't know who Florida State's perhaps linebackers coach will be, although I have to think that Coach Defensive Coordinator Fuller uh, will we'll work with them pretty heavily. We don't know who the running backs coach will be or the offensive line coach or the tight ends coach or – uh, the, the DB coach or the safety coach or the special teams coach because the staff's not filled out. and I think it's a little bit crazy to think that it would be completely filled out by now, but certainly, you know, probably a little bit slower than some people want, but realistically, this is probably about the pace you can expect. And looking across the country, I, I don't see a whole lot of staffs out there that are completely filled out at this point, right? It's just not realistic. It's not a Florida State uh, or Norvell-related thing. I'll, I'll put this to you. How much do you think having both coordinators on campus, though, uh, helps with recruiting in, in terms of they can say what their vision is for that position because they're actually the coordinator of that spot? Like having both coordinators in in time for your big official visit weekend over the weekend, I, I think was was pretty important. Yeah, I think it's a I think it lends itself nicely to Florida State from the standpoint that um Knowing where the ultimate message and vision for that side of the ball is going to come from is probably a lot better sales pitch on kids that have previously committed to you that you're trying to keep on board, whether than a bunch of up-in-the-air guys that you're battling other top-flight places that want to play ball at the highest level. Uh, I think it's good to be able to give those guys a vision that uh, they can buy in if they want to, and you can assure them that uh, they fit into what you're trying to do. Uh, again, I think it's more suited to retention than it is maybe going out and adding at this point in time. Not that Florida State was ever going to be uh, running out and you know killing it in the last ten days of the recruiting uh, efforts. I think it just fits more with uh, with keeping kids on board. Absolutely. Uh, so one thing I did pick up today that we, we had the coaches in the press conferences for the first time, or, or the coordinators rather. So Coach Adam Fuller and, and Coach Kenny Dillingham uh, had their press conferences. Coach Fuller said recruiting uh, takes time, and that's the one thing they don't have right now is a whole lot of time. They have to build those relationships in a very short period of time. Coach Dillingham, he, he echoed that. He talked about how, how recruiting is about relationships and how that takes time to build. This is exactly what Coach Norvell said, by the way, in his opening presser, right? Like people asked him about recruiting, and he said, well, that will take time because recruiting is about relationships. To me, this is the three like most senior coaches on the staff. Now, your two coordinators and your head coach. They're telling you, FSU fan, if you're willing to listen, hey, this recruiting class is not going to be real impressive. Not going to be a good recruiting class because we don't have a whole lot of time to put it together. And that's what we've been saying as well on the Nolcast. Look, this is a new coach class in the early signing period era. Don't expect much out of this. And the reason why Florida State is now a legitimate long-term rebuild is because you have two of these in a three-year span, okay? 
That means your roster's kind of screwed for the next couple of years in some ways. Just period, full stop. Now, it doesn't mean you can't have good seasons, but it probably does put a, a bit of a ceiling on what you can do. I was actually encouraged to hear the unity of message that these guys had here, sort of with this, this subtle sig- signaling of, hey, this is going to take some time. We know this class is not going to be very good. Now, they can't come out and say that, but they know it. We know it. Listeners know it because we've been saying it. But they're also sort of projecting towards the future a little bit, I think, when they say this because they're saying it takes time. Relationships take time. We have to build these relationships. Well, that to me implies they think they will be able to build those relationships in the coming years. Yeah, it was a. I think both of them gave good press conferences. Again, you don't want to fall over yourself too much and reacting to these guys. Uh, Dillingham, really, there was nothing that I could or wanted to take away from it. Uh, fairly familiar with him, and also um, <clears throat> you just took him from Auburn, so it's not like he is unaware as to the ways of uh, of big-time football. I did want to see a little bit more of Fuller. Uh, having come from Memphis and Marshall as the last two places on the resume, uh, just wanted to see how he would respond to being in a slightly bigger spotlight. Again, that's a really friendly arena, so I'm not suggesting otherwise, but uh, really impressed by that guy. I can see where he would appeal uh, to kids and also didn't seem like he'd be somebody that really uh, – wanted to do much more than things that were fairly serious and actionable towards his goals. So uh, impressed by both of them. Uh, Fuller was who I was more looking to uh, try to glean whatever information from. Yeah, I, I was I was curious as to, to just kind of how Boston he was, right, <laughs> with with the accent and saying say Florida like Florida. Uh, and and he, he did a little bit, but I, I think he did a, a strong job up there. He talked about his vision as far as, wanting to be simple for the players, but uh, presenting enough enough variety for the opposing offense to where they can't uh, they can't always predict what you're going to do. And he actually talked about how he wants to kind of lay some traps throughout the season and play certain looks uh, and, and certain coverages off certain looks one week and then really change it up the next week, which is sort of playing offense on defense, if you will. I, I, I like that. I Look, I feel like I've been kind of high on Coach Fuller since we first started looking into him just because of the the size of the get, of the jump that both his last two defenses have made when he took over right Marshall's defense had struggled they put him in the top spot it does really well top 25 defense at Marshall at at Memphis he had what a 50 something spot improvement last year in in his first year at Memphis one other thing i was thinking about too by the way and i i need to figure out the right way to say this so it's not insensitive but in some ways, I, I, I had a little bit of worry in the back of my mind about like a northeastern coach coming down to the south because you saw how you know, how Al Golden interacted with some of his players, right? And just sort of like would would he get it with some of these kids who culturally are very different? And then I thought, wait a second, uh, Marshall takes partial qualifiers. Marshall only has six commitments right now in its recruiting class because Marshall is that school that will wait until February and pick off all these guys who really can't get into school at other places, like talented kids from the Southeast. Uh, if, if, if you understand what I'm getting at here, Memphis does kind of does the same thing. They have the ability to get in some kids academically that some other schools really can't, and they take advantage of that. So the last two places that Coach Fuller has worked, they take kids who Florida State can't get in academically from the Southeast. So I don't think he's going to have a problem working with some kids who – 
Um, let's just say, if not for football, probably would not be in a, in a college, right? I think he'll be able to get his message across and keep it simple enough for them while still presenting enough complexity uh, to the opposing offense. And I don't know why I didn't think about that earlier, but I, I got to think of the night when we were talking about the show, and I was like, uh, dude, wait a second. <laughs> he was at Marshall in Memphis. Yep. Yeah, he'll be, he'll be fine. <clears throat> Absolutely. Uh, Dillingham, again, I uh, I won't waste a whole lot of time speaking as to how uh, my reaction of him. He is what I thought he is. I think he's going to bring a lot of energy to the program, will do well in recruiting, uh, but also will be a very much a, a real asset. It's easy to take shots, but I don't think this is Walt Bell bringing virtually uh, you know, very little from a game plan standpoint and, and things that can really be implemented throughout the course of the week. Uh, whether it be in a position group or a broader offensive meeting. I think think you got a lot of good things here. And uh, we talked about one of the real appeal of uh, Norvell in the search process is that his ability to identify and grow talent. And I think you've got uh, two really nice pieces out of his farm system that will be anchoring either side of the ball. I agree. I, I really think that Dillingham is, is sort of the tireless recruiter as well. Um he seems to live on his phone just from all the different times in the day that he is following kids uh, that just he's putting in the work for sure. So that's a good sign. Uh, obviously, if your head coach is going to be the one calling the plays, you're a little bit limited in terms of who you can get as an offensive coordinator. We've seen this uh, with with Jimbo Fisher. We've seen this with Willie uh, in, in 2018. And obviously, we're seeing this with, with Norvell in terms of you're not going to get a guy who has a ton of play calling experience, but... Then again, uh, I think college football is a little more accepting of head coaches calling the plays than it was maybe 10 or 15 years ago when, when sort of the CEO model was really the, the, the predominant uh, model there. So speaking of bottles, Mattis Social is really the model restaurant that you want to have here in Tallahassee. Uh, so fortunate to be able to partner with them. <clears throat> uh, wonderful just to see a entity that's engaged with this university from a broader standpoint yes they get athletics they get the fan experience uh as well as anybody that uh, i've seen in this arena uh but they also you know it's not cliche or a, a slogan when they talk about bleeding garnet and gold it's a institution that is as reflective of florida state as possible uh great people we're ever so fortunate to work with them, uh, both in the quality of individuals they are. They're also uh, exceptionally professional. And whether it be Township, Madison Social, Centrale, you have a great level of ideas to the experience that you'll have. And uh, whether it be for catering or simply going in, having a burger and a beer, uh, can't say enough about the uh, people that we get to work with when it comes to For the Table Restaurant Group. Absolutely, man. It's a great, they're a great partner for us. All right, Edgar, so let's go ahead and talk a little recruiting here. Florida State had its uh, kind of lone big recruiting weekend of the year. Uh, originally, they were going to have it for uh, you know, a little bit earlier, but they had a coaching change. So these things happen. And uh, Florida State, I think the response that they had to this recruiting weekend uh, was excellent. They, they managed to get uh, pretty much all of their current commits in. And uh, the, the vibe out of Tallahassee right now is is pretty positive. But let's have a little class reset here as we go into the first day of the early signing period which is of course uh, Wednesday. Uh, Florida State's class sits at 26th in the nation on the 24-7 sports composite with 13 commitments. Honestly that's that's not that bad. Uh, like obviously it's not where Florida State wants to be 
certainly, and, and we know this class is going to be kind of disappointing because it's a transitional class with the new coaching staff. But uh, to be 26 with only 13 commitments, that that is that is fairly solid. Uh, I don't think there's anybody higher than them uh, with with fewer commitments. So a lot of the, a lot of the teams in front of them have uh, 22. 16, 23, 24, 21, 21, 19, 20, 18. So a lot of these schools ahead of them uh, really don't have a ton more in terms of star rating, uh, like average quality, but they do have more quantity, uh, which is something Florida State will be looking to address. And it actually did add somebody uh, on Saturday, or excuse me, what day was that? Friday or Saturday now, I'm trying to think, uh, when it picked up a new quarterback. It was uh, somebody that we mentioned on the past podcast, uh, just as far as playing at Valdosta and playing at a pretty tough region, has some good experience. He's a he's a nice commitment. Um, I think we can have a honest conversation about him. Again, I said uh, on the past or maybe two podcasts ago, there's people in Georgia who think he may be the best quarterback in the state this year. There's people in Georgia who don't think very highly of him uh, as far as how he projects, not as an individual or the person he is or anything else. Um, but it's nice to be able to see a quarterback get added to a class. And I don't say that as, <laughs> as a sarcastic, you know what, it's just nice to see that. Uh, the Sims situation is, um, I believe, did we, we discuss that, right? We covered this in a previous we did. content. We, yeah. we talked about Sims uh, at the time we, when we discussed Sims. I think it was Wednesday that we, or Thursday we discussed Sims. We said we don't know if he's still going to make his visit to Florida State. We expressed doubt that Norvell told him that he can't come to Florida State. Like, we didn't think that was, that was true. I still don't think that's true. I, I think what happened there is that he was told, hey, they're going to offer some other quarterbacks too, and you're not going to be the only guy in the class that that's my that's my best intel on that and i've yet to see anybody else come out and contradict that um but yeah this is a guy who they actually offered very quickly uh and i think if you look at the timeline on twitter they offered him before sims went public with his decommit although i don't know if sims told fort state first that he was decommitting you know post conversation and then they offered rodemaker but uh, it certainly got out on twitter slightly before uh, Sims' decommitment. So it's, this is somebody who, who Norvell and his staff had, had liked when they were at Memphis. There's, there's no doubt. They, they, had, they had recruited him, and um, he was a USF commit for a while. Uh, have you had a chance to watch his highlights, by the way? Yeah, I saw. Um, I watched a little bit of uh, Valdosta and Lowndes uh, this year. Both had decent teams. Valdosta, I think, went out in the corners, uh, quarters. Lowndes lost in the state finals. Um I'm, I'm, there's aspects of his game that I really love. He's got really good feet, I think. Um, yeah, I'll defer to you as a somebody that does this uh, full-time and travels all over the place, but uh, as somebody that's <laughs> been a recruiting analyst before in my life, uh, I'll throw my opinion out there. Really good feet, gets from a, uh, does a good job of uh, throwing uh, when set, and then his uh, motion or just his general release process is kind of wild. There's plays where... I think that he has a pretty quick release. And there's also some plays, maybe more than, than the prior, where I'm worried about the length of his motion and how long of a windup he has. Uh, but a, a real good locker room guy, by all accounts, the people I talk to in South Georgia, a leader, hard worker, well-respected, 
Um, coach's son. Coach's son. And all of those things are true, and I don't think any of them are cliche, uh, at least that for now. Impressive year statistically. I think four to one touchdown interception to ratio with uh, north of 3,000 yards thrown. Um, a lot to like, and again, a lot to like in the fact that uh, staff had a plan executed a plan and uh, have added a quarterback to a class, which is the first time we can say that in a long damn time. Indeed. Uh, so I, I think there's some stuff to like about his game. I, I don't think his arm is huge, but it's not uh, it's not tiny. Uh, I definitely think he's a player who got better as a senior. If you look at sort of the timeline of when some of these teams started offering him uh, – Obviously, USF was on him kind of early, but some of the other schools that I think do a pretty good job of scouting got on him a little bit later. Virginia Tech, Baylor offered, uh, Pittsburgh offered. So th- those are, are decent schools. I mean, we're not talking like like that you beat out, uh, you know, Clemson and Ohio State to get this kid, right? There's reasons why he doesn't have those offers. I think one of those reasons um, is because he, like, his release is interesting. Like you said, it it is long for sure. Uh, in terms of distance traveled. He he holds the ball kind of low. He definitely takes it back a little bit lower, and it, it's it's a little bit loopy of a release. Now, he does get through the zone fairly fast, like relative to how long in terms of distance traveled the release is. He He's 6'3 or 6'4, depending on where you look. I would like to see the. I would like to see his release be more of a six three or six four release. He's kind of, he's kind of low at times with it a, a little bit, um, almost like Tannehill, right? Who plays for the Titans now? He, he was an A and M guy and then got drafted by the Dolphins. At times he had a little bit of, a, of a, a, low, a low release, but I think there's some stuff you can work with here. The number one thing that I really like about Rodmaker is this, and I went back and I, I watched his huddle. He hits a lot of guys in stride. Like, you don't see a whole lot of dudes having to stop for the ball here. He seems to have a, a really good feel for where to put the ball, how to dial up the right amount of, of velo and arc on it to get it over some backers, which is impressive con- considering some the release point at times for a tall guy is a little bit low. I agree with you. I think he, the footwork for a tall guy is, 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 is okay. And... There's some stuff to work with here. Now, I don't think he's a guy who's going to come in and light it up as a freshman, but I am encouraged by how much progress he made uh, from his junior to his senior season, which suggests to me that he probably has, um, uh, you know, probably has more more ability to uh, uh, to to go and 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 keep improving. So you got hey, you got a high school quarterback that seems to be encouraging, and he's from South Georgia, and uh, that can't hurt your recruiting in that region. That's a very crucial part of the of the uh, the country for state recruiting absolutely uh gained a kid and uh became fairly clear yesterday afternoon that you haven't necessarily officially lost a kid but a guy that's uh no longer in the class as of this moment and certainly seems to be looking around and taking uh you know taking ideas to what their landscape looks like so um uh, walked out of the moore center yesterday let people know that uh, at this time it doesn't appear as though florida state has numbers for him uh, they don't have another additional interior offensive lineman and that pretty much has made clear that that's about the only thing that he could possibly project as a uh, situation where perhaps he's available and there's a scholarship available in february and this works out uh, credit to both parties involved probably even more so the kid by the way this was handled 
that's a real tough situation, and he could have uh, gone about the process of uh, disseminating that news in a, a very different manner. So uh, I wish the best for him wherever he lands, but at least for now, uh, there's some uncertainty as to what that ultimate destination is. Yeah, and, and you know, to be honest, like this potentially could have been handled even better by Florida State, I think. You could have handled it sort of like you handled Sims. Um, like they, they, they could have easily just told him without him having to come up for a visit. Now, I'm sure they still have some interest in him potentially come the February signing day, as, as he indicated in multiple interviews. But I, I don't know if uh, – I, I don't really know what will happen there. Um, my guess is he does not end up at Florida State. What this tells me is, is – and this is something that Coach Fuller and Coach Dillingham and Coach Norvell have all talked about in their interviews about how they really haven't had time to evaluate – the, the the players on the roster yet o- only numbers hey how many scholarships do we have at this spot that type of thing and we'll talk about this more in a little bit but man y- you have to understand too that like scholarships do not mean you have guys who can play and specifically at the tackle position i think you have multiple players who can't play a lick right and so if you're just basing it oh hey we have this many scholarship tackles you're doing yourself a disservice in probably your first two years here to me, it tells me it it tells me that somebody on that staff has clued Mike Norvell on that. Hey, yeah, you got quote unquote tackles, but you don't really have tackles, right? And you need some tackles, and at Cabbage is not a tackle, and so you really need to get some tackles on this roster. Otherwise, your quarterback will continue to be tackled with the ball in his hands for a sack at an alarmingly high rate. So you really need to get some tackles here, and at Cabbage is not a tackle. So let's get some tackles. Anyway. Very important there to secure some tackles. Also important to secure home loans. And Resolution Home Loans can help you do that. If you're looking to buy a home, maybe maybe you're, you're in a new area for Christmas and you're going to look around, maybe do a little house shopping or just some browsing, take this number down, 844-FSU-LOAN. That's 844-FSU-LOAN. That number will get you hooked up with Shannon Young. He's the best loan guy in the business. They helped me secure my home loan, which is the home of the Nolcast Studios, great customer service, excellent rates, expertise. It's what you want. 844-FSU-LOAN or FSUHomeLoans.com. Over 40 NOLCAST listeners have now used Resolution to get their home loan. You should too. All right, bud. uh, Looks to be fairly clear that the uh, retention of the class is going to look, uh, or or there'll be a higher percentage of retention than maybe some at first concerned uh, themselves with. Um, why don't we just go ahead and list off some of the names as to who it looks like they have kind of locked down, uh, guys that they've appeared to have solidified over the weekend, and uh, some of the expectations as to what we think uh, are the individuals that make up the first round of Florida State signing day. Yeah, I, I think they did a really good job of presenting their division, um, or excuse me, not their division, geez, at presenting their vision to the, the, the recruits. They got everybody on campus to kind of sell the, the family ideal and, and, and the ideal of you, you can help turn this this program around. And, man, I, I think that I think they're going to get everybody who's committed to sign early. Now, I know there's a couple kids who are kind of straggling, but you, you lock down DeMory Tate, who is a, a, a very talented corner uh, and, and someone I know that other schools actually wanted. You, you, you lock down Malachi Weidman. I think they have a good chance of, of getting Lawrence Toffoli to sign early, especially because, I mean, their running back roster right now is so thin, 
he's not going to find a better spot realistically in terms of the quality of school where he can get basically guaranteed playing time at. Um, Jayon McCluster, your, your linebacker. Manny Rogers, your big D tackle. Um, Steven Dix, another backer. Uh, Ja'Kai Douglas, your, your receiver out of New Orleans, who, by the way, very tight with Ron Dugans. Uh, Thomas Schrader, uh, obviously Tate Rodemaker, Zane Herring, uh, who I, I know is very impressed with, with, with Coach Norvell and staff, even though they don't have an offensive line coach quite yet. Lloyd Willis, your, your big offensive tackle, who is very much a project, but somebody who I – look, they'll take some tackle projects right now. It's better than nothing. Uh, and then Carter Boatwright, your tight end, who – Carter Boatwright's a guy who's got to be pretty excited that Mike Norvell has come in because they use the tight end – uh, a lot more than Coach Taggart's offense did. And uh, and he'll have a chance to catch some footballs here in this offense. Jadarius McKnight, who, who got up for, for the visit, my guess is that they'll get him uh, to go early. I guess we'll see on that one. But it wouldn't surprise me if they get every single kid who's currently committed to sign in the early period. And coaches will tell you behind the scenes, if you don't sign with us, we don't consider you committed. right? If you're committed to us verbally and you don't sign, you're not a commit. To us, because if you're like, we're offering you a chance to sign and you're not going to sign, that says something. Um, if they get all these kids to sign early, I think Coach Norvell deserves some props. That's a that's a good job. Now, people can say, well, they already had him committed. Who else did they bring in? And that's a good point, and we'll talk about that. But getting all these kids in is a solid base for a transitional class. It's not going to wow anybody, but it also... There's top end, and then there's also, hey, can we avoid disaster here with, with with preserving some floor? And I think if you get all those kids to sign early, it really helps um, for that with, with having very limited deflections. There's also kind of a, a hidden extra benefit to getting all these kids to sign early, though. It's um, It certainly helps. It helps to be able to get everybody in, and it helps to be able to look and transition to 2021. 20, uh, and uh, we talked about evaluation of the roster as far as uh, not just numbers, but actual uh, prospects out there, tangible pieces that you're going to have to work with. Um, yeah, I mean, this does help, but it's not like they're going to people. I'm not trying to be particularly negative here, but it's not like they're the first people with the idea of turning their focus to 2021 either as well. I mean, that's what's happened and that's what has to happen. And uh, for a lot of other staffs, that's already happened where Florida State's a little bit uh, behind the ball. Not to get uh, too far away, the other real negative uh, aspect as far as composition of class doesn't look like Jalen Knighton's going to be there, which is unfortunate. But I think Florida State, uh, from a running back perspective, will be able to uh, to get that uh, or, you know, to be able to – that won't be a major setback. Uh, losing Keyshawn Green, maybe it's more an issue of sentimentality for me. I don't ever like seeing a linebacker from uh, Crawfordville High go anywhere other than Florida State, uh, and that's a nice piece to the class that looks to be going to Nebraska. But uh, those are kind of the two names that doesn't look like that will ultimately make their way into the class. Yeah, a neater guy made it on campus this weekend. I know there was some like faint hope they're going to get him up, but not a ton of positivity there. So those two guys are not going to happen. Uh, the other thing, if you do get all these kids signed early, it really allows you to sort of look at the landscape and – and uh, focus your remaining 2020 recruiting on just the, the few remaining targets who you might have out there who didn't sign. Um, it's going to be slim pickings, though, for February. Where I, I was talking to some guys in the recruiting industry yesterday, and they said they think 80% of your players are going to sign early this year. Last year it was 70. The first year it was like 65. 
So, yeah, there's not going to be much left after the early signing period. So for everybody that has a lot of hope that you're going to really improve this class by leaps and bounds, by the JUCO or whatever, um, no, most of your most of your good JUCOs are going to be signed. It's it's very late to get in on them at this point. Uh, Cade Renfro, your quarterback, uh, another quarterback you were recruiting, did end up going, uh, committing to Ole Miss uh, today. Not really surprised. He's a fit for the Browse offense, and now they're running that there at Ole Miss. Uh, but Florida State did get a, a, a several kids who were either uncommitted or committed to other schools on campus uh, this weekend. They, they got Kendall Dennis, the really, really nice-looking corner out of the Lakeland area. Uh, he, he, he came – Still think Oklahoma for him most likely because they're they really need him and they've been doing a great job on him recently. They got the quarterback Purdy, who the Louisville who is a Louisville commit. FSU wants to take two quarter two quarterbacks in this class. I'm, it's pretty obvious that they're not real certain about what they have on the current roster here, and I, I don't blame them. Like you didn't sign a high school quarterback the last two years. Uh, getting two, get getting Purdy in, in the fold would be great. We'll see if they, if they can flip him from Louisville. It's a little bit less important now that you actually have one, right? If you were still sitting there at zero, that would be kind of a big deal. Uh, getting defensive end Morvin Joseph on campus, that's big. He's a kid from, from Central Florida, big-time relationship with, with Odell. And, I mean, we'll see. It, it was Tennessee and Florida, and then he didn't have Florida State in there as of last week, but now he kind of has Florida State back in there. It wouldn't shock me if Florida State pulls this out. Tennessee felt pretty good about this as of last week, so we'll see. And my Florida guys, who I talked to at the uh, Florida State title game on Friday, uh, felt that, or they were telling me that Florida, like the Gators' feeling, was that Tennessee was the team to beat there. They get Josh Griffiths back on campus again, three-star defensive end. Um, not, not a great player by any stretch, but uh, he's not terrible. And, and somebody who can, he, it's a position you really can't afford to be too picky at at the moment. He had he had uh, flipped to Louisville. I, it wouldn't surprise me at all to see him flip back to Florida State on signing day. I think he took some of the Louisville stuff out of his Twitter profile. It's people had tweeted him. I did not check this yet because I had a lot of projects today. Josh Griffiths. Yeah, I'm pretty sure he's done that. It's It's still out. Uh, I don't think he has Louisville, you know, Louisville commitment in his bio or whatever. This is always my favorite part of the podcast where we talk about kids' social media profiles. Uh, makes me feel good. <laughs> yeah, this is this is really what I want to do in my life. <laughs> makes me feel real comfortable. Uh, yeah, a wide another wide receiver name out there that people will be fairly familiar with as well. Oh, Brian Robinson. Yeah, another guy who's very tight with with Coach Dugans. Um, Look, if you recall over the summer when they put out some ring rings, there were two that were actually kind of unaccounted for. I'm like 100% certain that one was Brian Robinson and the other, I think, was a running back, by the way. Um, so I think they get Robinson. I, I don't. I mean, I assume he's going to sign on, on Wednesday, but it wouldn't shock me if, if, he, if he takes this out a couple of days. You, you could, of course, sign Wednesday, Thursday, or Friday. Um Here's my reasoning on this. He's been to Florida State several times. The best relationship he has, as far as I know, is with Coach Dugans. Florida State does have a need scholarship-wise at receiver. Coach Norvell has a pretty good history of getting big-time numbers for big-time receivers, and it's the in-state option as opposed to going to Pitt or, I guess, the Gators, but I don't know that Florida's 
that in on it for him. But in Nebraska involved with Robinson as well. I think so. Wait, uh, are they? Because I know they're they're involved with several or several South Florida kids late in the process, like like Marcus Fleming. Um, did he visit? Did he actually OB to Nebraska? I believe so. Could be wrong about here. that. No, you may be right. He yes, he did. He, he actually visited on on November sixteenth. Apologies. So Florida State is the most recent official visit. I don't know if he actually got back to Pitt since, since his OV. I'm uh, looking here uh, on the timeline. Yeah, I don't. I don't know that he did. My my guess here is is that Florida State uh, will will end up with with Robinson. Um, that's not a guarantee. Obviously, Maryland is a, is another guy who he had interest in. Uh, he ended up not doing the trip to Alabama. So, yeah, my. My thought is uh, is that Florida State will end up getting Robinson, but I'm not guaranteeing that. I, he'd be a nice piece, though. He's a good player. He's a guy who can make some tough catches. He's got decent size to him. Not great size, but he's not tiny. I I think he's a guy Florida State would really like to have. He would be he'd be a real nice kid. Um, all right, so this is always the part of the show where people are going to get uh, frustrated with. I just think it's worth noting maybe just putting a governor on, on some of the optimism that's been out there. Uh, and look, if fans want to be uh, excited about recruiting, I get it. I know I'm, I'm a recruit, Nick. I don't want to take that away from you. I also think it's worth having an honest conversation about like who some of the schools were that tried to come in and, and get involved with some of these prospects. And um, again, not saying anything about uh, the <laughs> the quality of individuals. I just don't, you know, it's, it's telling when you're trying to fight off like Pitt, Louisville, schools like that for some of these cool, uh, some of these kids. But uh, I guess that's just the state of the class. And really, uh, I think that's kind of not unique to this staff, obviously. It's just, it's just a pure cold, cold fact. It's the fact that even if you didn't transition, this was going to be uh, kind of a above average class at best. Right, and and look at the schools that came in and tried to take your guys. Okay, so Demory Tate, that's a legitimate win for Florida State. There, there's there's no doubt about it. I mean, he's a stud, and other schools did did come in and try to take him, but he really likes Florida State as a program. Malachi Weidman, I know some other schools tried to get in on him. I'll I'll give you that one. I think that's a, like I'm talking about big time schools, not not Old Miss, Pitt, Purdue, Nebraska, you know, Louisville. Florida State fortunate uh, to have the success and stability in the basketball program that they do right now for Weidman. Uh, a big big deal in being able to retain that kid. No doubt. But think about the names that you're having to try and fight battles with here. Okay? Now, Miami came and, and, and took took Jalen Knighton. So, that's a legit program, although they, they've been struggling a good bit. I think that's more of, of about staying in South Florida type thing than anything else and having some stability, whereas Florida State at the time did not have it. But like you said, man, this is a lot of, hey, can they beat out Nebraska? Can they beat out Louisville? Can they beat out Pitt? Those aren't schools that win conference titles. Those aren't schools that win national titles. That's the kind of perspective you need to have on this class. This is not a class that's going to help you win a conference title. This is not a class that's going to help you bring back you know, national titles to Tallahassee, right? Like these are, You're not beating Clemson or Bama or Ohio State or Georgia for these kids. And if you're not beating those teams in recruiting battles – you're not beating those teams on the field. It doesn't mean that, that this is doomed. Obviously, like 
guys, we're very early in, in this rebuilding process. But I, I think you're exactly right to point out, to get a good feel for how good a class is, who are you having to beat out? And for, for some of these kids on, that you're signing, I don't think a lot of big-time schools came calling for them when, when Willie Taggart got fired. And they had a whole damn month to do so. So, just saying. Let's, let's just be realistic about the expectations for this class. Also need to be realistic in your choice of a family law attorney. We have a great one for you, though. And this is so important to get your choice of family law attorney right the first time. Because it can be hard to get things modified or to win on appeal in, once you lose in family court. You don't want to lose. You want to win. Travis Johnson is a board-certified family law attorney. Over a decade of experience, he will go to bat for you. Divorce, maybe some issues dividing property. You have an alimony question. Maybe you have a child support or visitation issue. Maybe you need to get an existing order enforced. Maybe a prenup. Questions about adoption. Travis Johnson, 850-435-9919. That's Travis Johnson of the Metter and Johnson Law Firm. 850-435-9919. Board certified, cases throughout the state. He will come to you. As we uh, transition away from recruiting and into kind of uh, roster, existing roster, uh, roster defections, and then a little bit of ideas to where we are in the actual schedule uh, of bowl prep, we have an idea as to four that won't be taking part. Uh, Akers, Wilson, uh, totally expected. Uh, Dontavious Jackson and Hornerbrook are uh, two additional names that will not be uh, not be suiting up for Florida State as they travel out to West Texas. Yeah, and the, the two of those aren't really surprising. Like you said, Marvin Wilson had the surgery, so he was already not expected. Uh, Cam Akers, congrats to Cam on an excellent career at Florida State, a guy who I think will maybe be more appreciated as time goes by. Ran behind just three atrocious offensive lines and, and put up very good numbers uh, in, in spite of that. And somebody who I think might end up having a, a pretty good NFL career if he doesn't have to dance around in the backfield constantly because nobody can block for him. Um, D-Jax skipping the bowl game to focus on his uh, draft prospects. I wanted to tell him that, uh, man, the draft is uh, is no more. Um, that, like, nobody's, yeah, but, okay. Um, I, I think he'll have a shot to, to get on an NFL roster somewhere because he has the size and he has some athleticism, but we'll see. Alex Hornibrook, um who knows, man? The NFL is weird about how they select their backup quarterbacks, and sometimes if you can, you know, be a smart guy and hold a clipboard, I I think he'll get into coaching at some point, probably. So we'll see if that's kind of what he wants to start with there. But pretty clear that James Blackman's going to be playing um, in this game, so no real reason for him to uh, waste his holiday season prepping for a game just to be Blackman's backup here in this game, if he even would be the backup, because you also have uh, Jordan Travis. For Arizona State, their top receiver is not going to play, and their top running back, Eno Benjamin, is not going to play. So I actually think this was going to be the uh, second-best matchup of running backs in the bowl season, second, of course, to uh, ATN and uh, Dobbins for Clemson, Ohio State. But unfortunately here, we're going to have to not uh, – we're not going to have that. We're going to have backup against backup because Arizona State's kids also sitting out. Ultimately, I think not having Akers-Wilson is a bigger deal – for Florida State, but uh, maybe not a whole lot of fireworks from the Arizona State offense either in this one. 
That's the uh, ideas, the roster, what it looks like as they move into the bowl game. One other thing that has come to light is uh, Treshawn Harrison will be transferring. That does not, um, if you know the situation surrounding his recruitment and the individuals that were involved in bringing him to Tallahassee, doesn't come as a big surprise that he would uh, decide to go elsewhere. A guy who... uh, Man, when you saw talent, you saw extreme, bright, <laughs> flashing uh, pieces of it. But uh, hopefully, he'll be able to find a little bit more consistent wherever he land, consistency uh, where he lands, because he's a there's a real good player in there. And I uh, hope it gets to come out wherever it is that he ultimately uh, decides to finish college career. Absolutely, he's, he's a kid I like a lot, but there's nothing really tying him to Tallahassee now that Coach Taggart and those guys are gone. So I wouldn't expect him to stick around. I think they'll have more transfers, by the way, uh, in in January and February, mo- most likely. Uh, especially because, remember, schools can pull your financial aid once you get into the portal, once the semester that you're currently in finishes. So, if you want to kind of maximize your value here, it makes a whole lot of sense to wait until you get into that spring semester in order to get into the portal, because then you still get all the spring for your aid, as opposed to doing it with like a week left in the semester in December. So uh, load management, it's important. Uh, I also want to point out here on a positive note, it does seem like Florida State is going after uh, a decent number of junior college and potential transfer players. Uh, just today, I know Florida State staff followed a, uh, a guy who was a very good offensive tackle relative to that league for, I think, Colorado State. Uh, I, I DM'd with him earlier today. And he said he has a bunch of staffs reaching out to him already. That was um, uh, T.J. Stroman, who announced that he will be finishing his career somewhere other than Colorado State. But casting a wide net here is going to be important. Um, we had the question last time in the Q&A, could Coach Dillingham flip any of those junior college offensive tackles who were committed to Auburn? And uh, people were very disappointed in our response, and we said, no, I, I don't think he's going to get those dudes to follow him and flip, right? He's not an offensive line coach. He, he recruited them, but, uh, you know, ultimately it's it's just not going to happen. Uh, so you're going to be sort of picking seconds and thirds here with, with some of your JUCOs and whatnot just because this is what you get when you have a transition class, transition class rather. Uh, but they are casting a pretty wide net. The, the coaches are, seem to be turning over every rock possible um and we'll see we'll see what they can find to to improve this roster for for the 2020 season but they are pretty aggressive in following these kids on twitter who uh who may be available um and then i guess the last thing tonight we we talked about this a little bit so we can kind of end on this if you want but uh, i'm sure these coaches would tell you they wish they had a little more time to figure out exactly what they have on this roster um because just looking at the pure scholarship numbers, like they said, hey, we, we haven't had time. Both Fuller and Dillingham said this today in their pressers. Hey, we really haven't had time to look at the roster yet. Um, we're just looking at scholarship numbers to determine who we need to recruit. If that's true, and I kind of believe it is because they really haven't had much time. I mean, they've been just out there recruiting pretty much nonstop. Um, they're going to be in for a rude, rude awakening at some of these positions because some of these dudes are not – not really Florida State caliber players, uh, either in terms of initial talent, like some guys, like we've said, were some of the worst players we've ever seen offered at, at a Florida State camp or development-wise. Um, you know, but there, I think there's also some spots in this roster where they're going to be pleasantly surprised. Like I actually think the floor of the offensive line is going to be better 
next year than it was in the last couple of years, which is crazy to say because you guys know my thoughts on this. But I, there are some spots where I, I do think Coach Taggart's staff improved the floor, even if they failed to land the really, really high-quality kids. Um, and so there may not be these huge weaknesses next year's on next year's team, but that could be balanced out by perhaps a lack of some huge strengths. One more thing. A couple people responded to our, our last Q&A and said, hey, why would you make predictions now? You don't even know what the roster is going to be like next year. And I agree with that. Except I'm pretty clear that we said this is based on how the roster is right now is what I would predict. If the roster changes, we will change our prediction, right? I mean, you remember us talking about that when people were like, what do you think is going to happen? So apparently some people missed that. They emailed us and they said, why would you predict you know, Florida State to go 5-7? and seven? Or six and six, you, you don't even know who's going to be playing off its attack a little. Probably be some transfers. And my thought is, yeah, I hope so, right? I mean, good Lord. I don't want it to be anybody who's on the roster right now. Uh, but, yeah, uh, just in case you missed that, that was just who with, with who they have on the roster right now. We'll, of course, reevaluate our predictions if they get some new players who could help them out. I think that's well said, and uh, hopefully people will find this to have been a informative uh, Nolcast. So I just wanted to give an idea as to where we stand entering the week. Uh, thank you to our sponsors. Thank you to our listeners. Um, thoroughly enjoyed being able to do this, and we look forward to covering this all the way through early signing day and then the more traditional one in February. Uh, thank you also to our Patreon supporters, patreon.com slash Nolcast. Five stars on iTunes. Uh, I was pretty happy. We actually were, I think, top 30 uh, podcast sports-wise over the weekend. And then we also ended up, uh, today I checked, we were still top 100 after not putting out an episode for like 50-something hours. So pretty happy there. Yet another uh, record broke in our own uh, metrics here over the weekend. So pretty cool there. Thanks, everybody. We'll see you again uh, very shortly.